Hey everybody! You are listening to the Creative Biolabs podcast, the show that introduces the basics about stem cells and their broad applications. Please contact us if you have any questions or suggestions. And don't forget to subscribe to follow the latest updates. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Connie. Thank you for tuning in. Our guest today is Dr. Benjamin Smith, a journal editor specializing in immunotherapy. Benjamin, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here, Connie. Thank you for having me. You're welcome, Benjamin. In our previous episode, we discussed the discovery of satellite cells and their role in muscle regeneration. Today, we will focus on satellite cell heterogeneity and self-renewal. Dr. Smith, could you please explain how researchers discovered the heterogeneity of satellite cells? Of course, Connie. For a long time, muscle cells were isolated from tissues using enzymatic digestion followed by cell culture. This process selected for myoblasts, a cell population capable of dividing in vitro. However, there are limitations to this approach. Firstly, the cell populations obtained after prolonged culture are likely to represent only a subset of the total cells present in the tissue. In vitro selection favors cells with the ability to reproduce in culture, leading to a shift in the population over time. These cultured cells may not accurately reflect the in vivo population from which they were derived. Secondly, long-term culture can result in the accumulation of DNA mutations that confer a proliferative advantage, further altering the population under study. Therefore, cells established in culture should not be considered representative of stem cells in intact animals. A study provides an example of the difference between freshly isolated and cultured muscle stem cells. Freshly isolated cells significantly contribute to tissue regeneration in a muscular dystrophy model, while satellite cells cultured for four days lose their regenerative potential and show limited ability to restore muscle in dystrophic mouse recipients. Hence, it is highly desirable to study satellite cells immediately after isolation and assess their function after transplantation without an intermediate culture step. That's a valuable point. Are there alternative approaches to address this issue? Yes, there are alternative approaches to studying satellite cells without the need for extended culture periods. One approach involves isolating and transplanting single genetically marked myofibers along with their associated satellite cells into recipient mouse muscles. Another approach focuses on developing protocols for the prospective isolation of satellite cells based on the expression of specific transgenes or surface proteins. These isolated cells can then be sorted using fluorescence-activated cell sorting, FACS, with antibodies conjugated to fluorophores. Both of these approaches avoid the intermediate culture step, allowing for the immediate analysis of satellite cells upon transplantation into the muscles of recipient mice. These studies have provided several lines of evidence supporting the heterogeneity of satellite cells, primarily based on their distinct gene expression patterns. Regarding this research evidence, could you provide one or two examples? Certainly. First, satellite cells were examined for the expression of key markers through immunostaining. 
These studies revealed that the satellite cell population exhibited differential expression of two markers, PAX7 and NEOD. This suggests the presence of different subpopulations with distinct functions or hierarchical relationships within this anatomical compartment. Second, in some studies, a single genetically marked myofiber, along with its satellite cell, was transplanted from one adult muscle subtype into another. In such cases, the myofiber significantly contributed to the host satellite cell population and the regeneration of mature tissue. Additionally, myofibers from different muscles displayed noticeable differences in their ability to regenerate the recipient's muscles. This implies the heterogeneity of satellite cells in adult animals. Furthermore, satellite cells were shown to maintain their function in vivo even when artificially removed from their own myofibers. I've read that single-musk gene expression studies have also revealed heterogeneity. Could you provide more details about these studies? Certainly. In these experiments, satellite cells were prospectively isolated and enriched using fluorescence-activated cells sorting with fluorescent antibodies targeting specific markers. Subsequently, a reverse transcription polymerase chain reaction was conducted simultaneously on four different transcripts, which are characteristic of either satellite cells or more specialized progenitors. While virtually all cells expressed mRNAs encoding satellite cell-specific transcription factors, a subset of cells expressed transcripts specific to progenitors. These results suggest that satellite cells are not all in the same commitment stage, a finding further confirmed by dilution analysis. I understand. In any case, these reports demonstrate that the satellite cell compartment is heterogeneous, comprising both stem cells and progenitors. Is that correct? That is correct. However, there are still some details that need to be clarified, such as whether the progenitors are in a transient state between stem cells and differentiation, or if they persist long-term and serve a different function than satellite cells. The use of additional methods and markers to further distinguish satellite cell subpopulations will help address these questions. Fluorescence-activated cell sorting has been used to prospectively isolate satellite cells, often employing combinations of diverse cell surface markers or reporter genes. Additionally, other cell sources that have shown effectiveness in promoting muscle regeneration, like mesoangioblasts and muscle-derived stem cells, have been identified. These cells are not prospectively isolated, but are instead selected over time through cell culture regimens. While these cell populations may hold therapeutic potential, their role in normal development and function as self-renewing stem cells in vivo remains to be determined, and they do not strictly fit the definition of a stem cell currently. I understand. Well, let's continue with the topic of satellite cell self-renewal. Self-renewal is a crucial process in maintaining the tissue-specific stem cell pool in adult life, and various mechanisms have been described for expanding and preserving stem cell numbers in tissues. So, could you explain the mechanisms involved in the self-renewal of satellite cells in skeletal muscle? Certainly. Satellite cells in skeletal muscle undergo self-renewal through two primary modes of division, symmetric division and asymmetric division. 
In symmetric division, a satellite cell divides symmetrically, giving rise to two daughter stem cells, thereby expanding the stem cell pool. In asymmetric division, a satellite cell divides to generate one daughter stem cell and one daughter committed progenitor. The progenitor quickly differentiates, allowing the stem cell pool to be maintained. Several molecular mechanisms have been implicated in adult muscle satellite cell self-renewal, including DNA segregation, protein segregation, mitotic spindle orientation, and reversion. Thank you for the overview. Could you provide more details about these mechanisms, starting with DNA segregation? Of course. DNA segregation has been studied using pulse chase labeling experiments that employ halogenated thymidine analogs. These analogs incorporate into the DNA during the S phase of the cell cycle and can be detected with specific antibodies. According to these experiments, asymmetric DNA segregation occurs at a low frequency during satellite cell division, both in vitro and in vivo. The older DNA templates, which are non-labeled with the analogs, tend to co-segregate to one daughter cell, while the newly synthesized DNA templates labeled with the analogs co-segregate with each other. The daughter cell inheriting the older DNA template retains a stem cell-like phenotype, while the one receiving the younger DNA template exhibits a more differentiated phenotype. These findings support the immortal DNA strand hypothesis in muscle, which proposes that stem cells protect their genomes from replication errors during division. Thank you for explaining DNA segregation. How about protein segregation? Protein segregation is another mechanism of self-renewal and has been described originally in the central nervous system of Drosophila and mammals. It involves the asymmetric segregation of proteins among daughter cells, leading to divergent fates. In the context of satellite cells, when they divide in vitro, only one daughter cell typically inherits the notch inhibitor num. However, it remains somewhat controversial whether num segregation specifically marks a daughter stem cell or a more committed progenitor. I see. What about mitotic spindle orientation? Could you explain this mechanism further? Mitotic spindle orientation is another key mechanism in satellite cell self-renewal. During cell division, the orientation of the mitotic spindle can determine the fate of daughter cells. If the mitotic spindle aligns perpendicular to the fiber axis, it results in asymmetric division, with one daughter cell becoming a stem cell and the other a committed progenitor. Conversely, when the mitotic spindle aligns parallel to the fiber axis, it leads to symmetric division, generating two daughter stem cells. The orientation of the mitotic spindle is influenced by various factors, including the cell's microenvironment and external cues. Satellite cells have been shown to divide in two different orientations relative to the myofiber surface. One orientation is planar, with the mitotic spindle parallel to the myofiber surface, resulting in the generation of two identical daughter cells. Both daughter cells remain in contact with the basal lamina and the myofiber's plasma membrane. The other orientation is apical basal, where the spindle is perpendicular to the myofiber surface, leading to the formation of one daughter cell in contact with the basal lamina and another cell close to the myofiber membrane. 
The polarity of stem cells and the orientation of the spindle play crucial roles in stem cell asymmetric division, which is observed in various organ systems, including muscle. This highlights the significant influence of the microenvironment, or niche, in determining the fate of stem cells. You're absolutely right. What can you tell us about the final mechanism, reversion? Reversion from a committed state to a stem cell-like state is an intriguing mechanism. While it was initially demonstrated in Drosophila testes, it remains to be determined whether this mechanism is also relevant in mammals for generating stem cells. Recent experiments suggest that this may be the case in murine muscle. When single myofibers are cultured in suspension, satellite cells maintain their sublaminar position, allowing for their clonal analysis as they begin to divide. Under these experimental conditions, quiescent satellite cells become activated, co-expressing PAX-7 and NEOD. Later, the majority of their progeny lose PAX-7 and differentiate, expressing NEOD. However, some cells appear to lose MIOD and show PAC7-only expression. This indicates that an activated satellite cell, which initially co-expressed PAC7 and MIOD, gave rise to a cell that later lost MIOD but retained PAC7, reverting to a quiescent, stem-like state. Thank you for the comprehensive explanation. That concludes our discussion on the heterogeneity and self-renewal of satellite cells for today. I appreciate your patience and the valuable insights you've shared. We'll conclude here, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you very much. The same to you.